You want to know where the markets are going, gold, silver, uranium. I'm going to talk oil, all of that with a multi-winner of Timer's Digest Awards. It doesn't matter. He's not won it for long-term timing. He's done it for gold, uh, other things. Mark Leibovitz joins me from vrtrader.com, vrtrader.com. Numerous uh, newsletters, including looking at the cannabis sector, uh, you know, really short-term trade, long-term perspective, all of that kind of stuff. So, Mark, first of all, appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Michael. You know, I consider myself a survivor. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there is something to be said by, well, that is a reflection that you got more right than wrong. That's for sure. And you have been, including yeah. this year when I'm looking back at the World Outlook Conference. You know, you always put out an annual forecast issue with your modeling. And I'm getting kind of nervous because at that time you said, I like the first half of the year. I like it into the end of July. And so, well, here we are. We've had the kind of move that I don't think has surprised you, uh, you know, with your systems. But doesn't that beg what's next? <laughs> I mean, you know, if your model got it right in the first, you know, right through July, what, what's going to happen next? So uh, any update? Well, you on know, that? It's like the weatherman story, you go, Michael, you know, you have a forecast and you look out the window before you make your <laughs> trade, right? <laughs> so we had a key reversal in the indexes yesterday. And I don't know if that was a false one or not, meaning a higher high, lower low, heavy volume. So I guess if we break through, uh, maybe it'll be delayed. But, you know, it's end of the month window dressing. The model said be careful in this time frame. So I'm not chasing uh, stocks here. And uh, on a trading basis, we're actually short uh, the total markets index, VTI here, with a stop, of course. But uh, let's see how it plays out. But I would say weakness uh, or choppiness into uh, August, September makes sense to me. And there's going to be exceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, things are doing well today, like uh, Cameco, the uh, uranium stock into new highs. You know what I mean? So there's always something to play. Well, that's music to my ears, by the way, on this show. You know, we've talked uranium. Uh, I'll come back to that, too. I promise people I'll come back to that. Just a, a couple of other things that uh, you've mentioned here. I want to make sure that people know you make short-term forecasts. That's what you were just talking about, you know, that we could get into the choppiness. You make longer-term forecasts or, or, you know, just looking at the markets and what you see longer-term. So I want to make sure people are listening and, and making that distinction themselves, you know. So on a shorter term, you wouldn't be surprised to see some, uh, you know, a little bit nastier market here. Uh, very tough, though. I, I mean, I just think it, the reason that technical analysis shows such strength is you're not buffeted every moment by the latest piece of news, you know, like another news headline. Technical say the market's already absorbed those news headlines. So what is it telling us? You know, at the beginning of the year, you know, we had that January barometer, you know, it goes way back from decades back where, you know, with the first five days of the year, is it up Ooh. compared to the December close? And is the end of January up uh, compared to the December close? And that said, net net, by the end of the year, the market should be up. So, of course, it's been, you know, violent, you know, but sharp sell off into the first quarter, then up now, pullback phase. So, you know, by when the, all the dust settles, I think the barometer will ultimately be right that even if we get a correction in August, September, we may still be higher uh, into the end of the year, Mike. Of course, you got to be in the indexes if you're playing that because that's based on the S&P, you know, not on individual stocks. Yeah. And so let, let's come to individual groups within that. I mean, you know, there's there's all sorts of groups people are fascinated with. And maybe I'll start, though, with. I know it's difficult because we've had the tech sector dominated by large tech, you know, whether it is seven companies, nine companies, whatever. Uh, so maybe it's misleading to look at that whole sector as opposed to just that group. But I think 
that's where the surprise has been, has been uh, the strength there uh, driven by those seven to nine stocks. It's been amazing. But does your work show you anything there? I mean, I'm, you know, I just worry, you know, I'm the wall of worry guy, the original wall of worry. So I look at it and go, it's tripled. I better be careful here, you know, but does, or do, the, do the chart sort of suggest that when you look at any of those big ones? Well, you know, you, you have not established a downtrend in them. You know, you're still in an up channel. Uh, they're way overbought. You know, you had a little reversal pattern, I think, at Microsoft the uh, day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're still, you know, in a channel and uptrend. So I guess we'll have a correction and they'll still be leaders into the end of the year following a pullback unless something uh, dramatically changes. I'm not buying them at these levels. Yeah. You know, there's other stocks yeah. to buy. There's other opportunities. Some many, you know, the depressed stocks that are catching up, for example, the Russell 2000 index, which is still behind the other big indexes. You know, I'd rather be in something like that if I was real bullish, because I think there's a lot of catch up opportunity in that index. But as far as those seven stocks, I'm sure there's trades in each of them. You know, but I'm not buying Apple Computer at uh, $196 a share when it's up $100 yeah. here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just my technical approach to it. But just as a comment, they're probably still going to be leaders because everybody thinks they are. And everybody, as you know, is is dizzy about the AI story. Mm-hmm. You know, N- NVIDIA yeah. and uh, AI, the two stocks that seem to be generating all this speculative trading and interest. And <clears throat> any company that doesn't come out and say we're going to use AI, they get slammed. So it's... It's, it's a little crazy, Mike, you know, really. I don't, you know, I look at the charts, I trade them, but I'm not going to fall in love with the <clears throat> concept AI just because everybody says you have to, you know. But Well, uh, if you're talking is, about a group that's yeah. been in favor. I want to ask you about a couple of groups, especially one group that's not been in favor of the broad specter of commodities have not been in favor in the same way. And oil's not been in favor. And you look at those stocks. So what are your charts telling us about what's happening in that, you know, that side of the energy field, the oil sector? Well, I'm I'm long all the commodity uh, plays, you know, corn and soybeans and wheat, which had a run here. You know, there's food shortages going on around the world right now. And a lot of it has to do with El Nino and whether it's uh, geopolitical issues but the charts are all bullish. Uh, uh, oil is uh, overall positive in my work. In fact, it broke out above a key moving average uh, three, four days ago, and we had a little bit of a run. You know, it certainly could settle back here a little bit. You know, crude oil went from the low 60s to 80, so a pullback to 70 wouldn't uh, be out of the question, you know, before we go higher. I'm I'm in the camp that says crude oil is going to be $200 a barrel in the next five years. Mm-hmm. So you're talking to the wrong guy. If you're looking for lower prices, there's going to be shortages there. And there's tremendous world demand for it. Uh, all you have to do is buy Occidental Petroleum, you know, with uh, yeah. Warren Buffett owning 25% of the stock. Uh, this man is, is rarely wrong. And that, that's one of my big holdings is Oxy, which is my crude oil play, both technically and because of Warren. But, uh, yeah, crude oil, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, – $100 a barrel into the first quarter of next year. You know, one of the things that concerns me, I mean, we've been bullish on oil as investors. We're not trading it, if you know what I mean. I'm not approaching it in that way. I'm approaching saying, you know, it's a great hedge against inflation if you're worried about, or a, I, I should rather put that as saying instead, a depreciating currency uh, purchasing power. I'd rather have oil 
uh, than U.S. dollars, oil than Canadian dollars, oils and euros. So I've got that sort of that long-term view. You know what worries me is it's getting to be crowded. At least maybe it's just the people I listen to or like to read, enjoy. Uh, you know, it seems pretty bullish there. And I thought, wait a second, are all those people going to be right? Am I going to be right on that thing? So how do you factor that kind of stuff in as the, as the trade becomes a little more crowded? Of course, that's what pushes prices up. Well, yeah, I'm, losing, I'm using the charts. You know, I use uh, moving averages, my volume reversal indicator, uh, you know, all this uh, hocus pocus that goes out of my screen. You see a resistance level hit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you're trading, you, you know, you, you act accordingly. I think that's more or less what's happening here a little bit with the oil stock that you had a little bit of a run the last few days. But it's not a bearish thing. It's just that they hit a little bit of a wall, a little pullback, and they could just blast right through it uh, next week. So I'm keeping my positions in the oil stocks uh, i like pioneer oil and gas pxd you know it pays like a, almost a 15 20 percent uh, depends on the price dividend and oxy and uh, a lot of low price names but you know we do trade them occasionally but uh, you're asking more of a near-term mm-hmm. position and i would hold yeah. that i think they're going higher uh, it's interesting uh, with the yields that some of those stocks i'm always surprised if i haven't looked at something for a while and i'll come back and i'll check out and the oil and gas you know i already knew of course that the cash flows are excellent you know they've come out of a period where they handled their costs they're not spending as much on exploration so you know a lot of it's getting fed back to shareholders whether it's a share buyback or you know the dividend but i'm just i'm just telling people i've been blown away by the size of the dividends i mean very attractive for investors yeah, a little company like Energy Transfer uh, Pipeline, I think it's uh, about a 10% uh, dividend, and the stock looks cheap to me, and uh, I think there's demand in the industry. You know, names like Transocean Offshore, Rig, Halliburton, Schlumberger, even the ancillary names have, have come back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a... I'm a bull. I'm not saying, you know, crude oil can't settle back here, you know, a few dollars after the run it just had. But the charts look bullish to me. So I'm hanging in there. Okay, let me let me shift gears a little bit here and go into something. You've been a VR trader when they were there. They made you gold timer of the year. You know, uh, in that sector, you've got a precious metals. You know, one of your letters focuses on that. So, uh, again, we've had a nice slow run up in gold, but certainly not the explosion the sort of uh, gold bugs we're hoping for at this moment, you know, I, I just, can you start maybe with the long-term look on that? Well, my model, which, you know, I also have a model for the yeah. gold. It basically just shows, you know, a zigzag higher pattern through the uh, year with a high around November. So uh, I'm sticking with the gold plays. I'm actually in some of the double leverage names like Nugget and UGT, which is double long the mm-hmm. uh, shares. So, uh, I, you know, I think we're trending up. The only caveat I could see looking at the charts is if gold based in U.S. dollars breaks under $1,900, then maybe we're going to have a little bit more of a correction. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but that's sort of a, I guess, a mental stop if you're trading a little bit, if it gets under that level. But um, my bet is uh, we're going to break through and uh, we've knocked at the door in that 2080, 2070 area two or three times already. And if we take that out, it's going to be 2300, 2500 really fast, my opinion. And I think that could happen any time between now and the first quarter of uh, next year. So to me, they're, 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 they're bargains. I'm, I'm holding them. There's some really silver in, in particular, too, Michael. A lot of cheap silver stocks. There's a lot of industrial demand for silver, and uh, it's a big catch-up percentage play. So silver over $30 is not unreasonable in the next uh, 
I would say six or eight months. So um, yeah, I'm I'm in a few of those, quite a few of those names, unfortunately, but I am in them, and I, so far we're ahead a little bit, so we're happy. You know, it's fascinating to see, as I say, how out of favor some groups become so quickly. You know, and you know, of course. Money talks very clearly was very long, still long term bullish on all the commodities. Was starting in February of 220, very you know, very clearly aggressively with the World Outlook Conference, talking about the coming bull market and commodities. Uh, and and again, I guess I'm more mentioning that because you know, if you have a longer term bullish view, then you'd take these declines as opportunities. I mean, to me, that's great news if I'm a buyer. You know that I, I want them to go down before I buy. I mean, not, I'm not a momentum trader for sure. You know, I'm talking as an investor uh, again. But yeah, I I, I haven't been. Uh, you know, I, I haven't cared that they've been soft because I've got a longer term view. And I think at some point, uh, in fact, I, I've got my own timing on that. But yeah, I think we'll be well rewarded. We'll <laughs> okay. be we'll be well rewarded. Is all I'm saying. You know, on that. We also don't want to forget about the crypto world. I don't mean to interject no. that because. Uh, Bitcoin uh, had a big bounce here. It got down to 15,000 a coin a few months back. Everybody thought it was going to go to zero. Uh, I'm looking for 80,000 plus in the next, I uh, could be, you know, two years. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. But the uh, Ripple case with the SEC here in the U.S. and the XRP, uh, the fact that it's you know, now tradable, not illegal. The XRP is something uh, people should look at too. Um, my gut feeling, it's, I know it sounds really speculative on this interview, but you're looking at something that's trading at 70 cents for the coin. This could be $500 or a $1,000 coin in five years. I mean, look what Bitcoin did. It went from $200 to 60000 So uh, there's a play here, and I would uh, encourage investors to look both at Bitcoin, XRP, as a small part of their speculative uh, portfolio. I think there's a lot coming for both of them. And uh, the securities industry now is going to start offering these things and t talking them up. Um, uh, the uh, BlackRock, Larry Fink, I don't know if you yeah. know what's going on there. He's trying to get the ET ETF going for Bitcoin. So what happened when GLD, the gold ETF started, that was fuel for the fire and it helped gold go higher. So once that BlackRock project gets going, that's going to be fuel for Bitcoin. Just something to watch. Well, on the fundamental basis, I thought that was significant because Larry Fink had been such a detractor of Bitcoin going back a couple of years, you know, and all of a sudden I read BlackRock's going to come out with a Bitcoin ETF. I'm going, wow. But but you're seeing it in other parts of the industry, too. I mean, the acceptance right. has clearly grown uh, there. And I want to add this as though, Mark, you've been on top of that story uh, I'm just trying to think for three years or four years, you know, you've got your own letter that you followed it, but you've made some good money in that sphere. And I just want to acknowledge that, that you're not Johnny come lately to this whatsoever. No, and, you know, and what's so good about it is it's, we've got tremendous volatility, which as a trader uh, is great. I mean, you know, to watch a Bitcoin, you know, go, go from 60,000 to 15,000 and back to 32,000. And you can see it in the charts. I mean, we GBTC, which is the uh, it's not an ETF, it's a trust, but it trades, as you know, on the uh, on the Nasdaq. I mean, the stock was fifty dollars a share, got down to eight and we recommended it. And now it's around 20. You know, it, you can follow the, the chart patterns. They get oversold, they get overbought like anything else. So, yes, I'm in love with the, the concept of the crypto, but you got to trade them. You know, they're very volatile. Uh, you know, you if you buy something at eight and it goes to 50, why not take some off the table, right? <laughs> uh, give me the symbol one more time, though, for people. Uh, that, that's GBTC. Yeah. 
GBTC. That's the current way of playing Bitcoin. I think it's around $19 a share. It was as low as eight. It was as high as 50. So, you know, if uh, BlackRock gets this thing going and Bitcoin moves into the 40s or $50,000 range, this little $20 stock could double. And, and, and I'll know, say so you, you cover it, uh, you know, in all of your letters with uh, VRTrader.com. Well, the blockchain yeah, letter. Exactly. The blockchain letter. In so it's not that you're right. just throwing that out there. If people are interested in that sector, that's a, that's one of the ones that you do to subscribe to because they're going. To, you know, you'll give an update. You'll tell us when you think it's time to exit. You time, think it's time to enter. You know, uh, with someone right. who's spending their time looking at it in that way. And there, I mean, there's not a lot of people. Certainly, there was no one basically doing it that way when you first started that letter. You know, but as I say, it's still a very empty space. I can get lots of people to talk to me about various aspects. That's one that I think people need a little help when they start talking about actually trading it and getting involved with it. But uh, I just want to let people know. Right. Even even my wife didn't want me to do it. She said, don't 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 go out there and create a crypto letter. You, you're going to create problems. It's too controversial or whatever. And it turned out that was the bottom. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> she's, she's a leading indicator. <laughs> right. So I, I told her she, she spooked me at the very bottom with the crypto that she didn't want me to launch the crypto. In fact, we originally called the crypto letter and then we changed it to the yeah. blockchain letter because of the fear that we would somehow attract regulators or something to us. And we were doing something criminal, which is not the case at all. You know, so it's it's funny. You know, it's, uh, you know, extremes in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's finish with this. OK, so we're, I mean, you can't give advice and we don't give advice on this show specifically because we don't know anybody's personal circumstances. We just sort of share what uh, our analysts are looking at and, you know, try and do the time frame, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so within that, you know, what I'm hearing from you is uh, you are not bearish long term. You know, there's nothing that says, oh, you're worried about a crash. You don't have that information at this point, but you wouldn't be surprised at some weakness. But again, in some of these sectors, that may provide an opportunity uh, for someone who's accumulating at that point. If I had my ideal scenario, I would see the uh, equity markets pull back into the fall or even as late as November and gold take off into new highs uh, into that same time frame, you know, and probably uranium would do well, you know, commodities would continue to do well. We're all watching the U.S. dollar as the key here. But, you know, we saw a run up in the commodities uh, like the agriculturals, even with um, the U.S. dollar not cooperating. Why? Because there were shortages of food, you know, and the wheat shortage with Ukraine and all this stuff going on. So, uh, we're, we're holding those because I think the, the charts say there's more coming to the upside there, regardless of the U.S. dollar. You know, I know everybody ties that, but I, I always look the markets individually, yeah. Mike. I don't I don't always tie an inverse relationship because sometimes they, they move to in, in parallel. They don't always diverge, you know, so it's something you got to be careful. Of. But overall, yeah, markets, uh, I'm not chasing them here. There are always some individual stocks, but I think. Uh, you know, if you're a little patient with the stock market for a few weeks, I think you'll have a better entry. And then the January barometer would be vindicated into a year end rally and we'll take it from there. I guess. Uh, let, I, I wanted to do more in uranium and I, I let it slip because I got onto something else. So, again, what are you seeing in the chart patterns of the uranium price? You mentioned that Com uh, Cameco, you know, uh, made a, a recent high here. I mean, that's obviously positive. So uh, again, I, I don't want to leave without giving a, a summation to you what you're seeing on the chart. Yeah, I mean, the, char the charts are positive. I mean, you follow, there's several names out there. There's the ETF, URA, there are other, one, other ones that you can track. But, you know, the safe play is a big name like CCJ, which is the 
Cameco if you want to be in that. Now, you got to remember, you're chasing it here a little bit. I mean, it was 10 or 15 points lower a few months ago, but it did break out. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no way the world's not moving more toward, you know, nuclear energy and uranium, whether it happens, you know, right away here, but other countries are doing it. And uh, as you just said, Japan is uh, changing its mind about it as well. So, uh, you know, it's uh, necessary evil for those who are afraid of it. But uh, how are they going to how are they going to power all these electric vehicles, right? You know, we don't have the power grid to do it. And uranium is really the only long-term answer. I personally, myself, I don't want to rely on the EV concept because I uh, don't want to run out of gas on long road trips. So I have a hybrid so I can mm -hmm. <laughs> plug in and I could uh, take advantage of uh, the, you know normal gasoline. But it's going to take time until we get the conversion you know underway there. But yeah, we've got an awful lot of it's, it's a lo awful lot of experts agreeing with you on that. In that uh, they are saying no, hybrid's a better way to go. We don't have the electrical grid to go further at this point. I mean, there's just way too many questions left unanswered. And way too much money involved, but I'll leave that for another story. I'm just letting you know you got company in that thought, uh, you know, with your hybrid. Yeah, well, I just recently bought one of these Jeep Grand Cherokee XEs that has a plug-in and a uh, gasoline component. And I said to myself, you know, I do too much driving. I don't want to, you know, run out of hybrid power, you know, on my road uh, here in Phoenix driving up to Flagstaff or doing any traveling out to California. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still in the old old folks camp that I still want gasoline. And, you know, it's, it, it's a reality out there. It's just mm -hmm. something we have to, it's, it's going to take a long time for that transition and uh, we'll just have to deal with it. But as far as the markets, you know, they've been very volatile, you know, and uh, another thing we didn't mention, you know, we got a presidential election next year, a lot of political forces at work here, you know, you can't exclude that as being a variable. So, you know, market could continue up uh, for political reasons and, you know, we don't talk about it too often. I mentioned in my newsletter, you probably read it, you know, back in 1988, Ronald Reagan created that plunge protection team yes. and media doesn't cover it at all. I don't hear a word about it, but it's called the working group of financial markets and the government could be in there helping support the market. Look at uh, uh, Japan. Japan owns 70 percent of the government of the ETFs and the stocks in Japan. So government intervention may have part and parcel to this whole Scenario. So as soon as the bank crisis hit, the government jumped in and, uh, you know, both um, supporting the banks that were failing and perhaps even helping along the stock market a little bit. So these are just realities. And uh, you see it in the charts as well. And uh, hopefully we can make sense of it for our, our subscribers. Well, and for our listeners too, Mark, which I much appreciate. And uh, I'll put you on the spot. We got to visit again in the near future. You know, I'll talk to you early fall. We'll see how we're doing on those things. But there's so much to talk about, as you say. And uh, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm keep saying, just give me one more minute, one more minute. In an election year, 2024, is a tendency for the stock market to be strong or weak? Um, I think it's going to, at the moment, you know, I would say, uh, you know, with the Democrats in charge and the market in an uptrend, uh, at least for part of the year, you know, I would say at least for part of the year. You know, it's a presidential cycle um, and it's every four years and the cycle low is due sometime between this fall, which we talked mm -hmm. about as a possible low point and one even as late as March of 2024. So there's a possibility that either one or both, you could see a low point and then up again. So we sell off into the fourth quarter, rally to year end, then maybe pull back into the first quarter of 2024 and then rally up toward the election might be a hypothetical scenario right now. So uh, you know, we'll have to put together a model for 2024 to finalize that. But that's a possibility here. So let's 
let's uh, I'm constructive as long as uh, the numbers say we're up. The model says up until year end, except for a pullback here. And uh, let's just, you know, t- you know, some outlier event hits like a COVID or invasions or some crazy story. You know, obviously the charts are going to change fast and we'll react accordingly. But that's where we're seeing it right now. Staying long uh, uranium and gold and uh, some of the cryptos and uh, trading them along the way. And I'll invite people to go to VRTrader.com. You can see all the uh, newsletters and the focus, as I say, including the blockchain letter, precious metal letter. So he's there with everything at VRTrader.com. Mark, thanks for finding time. Anytime, Mike. I love seeing seeing you and talking to you. And hopefully I can see you this year in the World Outlook Conference in person. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.